0: Hey, everybody, it's Greg. Episodes of the QNT podcast were recorded between June and September 2022. All mentions of the Patreon are now obsolete as that channel no longer exists. The information, however, is still relevant, and hopefully, you find some value in it. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? This is Greg Blunt, and welcome back to the still unnamed Quant Podcast here on Patreon. I didn't get as many suggestions for podcast names as I'd hoped, so let's make that actually a priority this week. I want to name the podcast by the end of the week, so drop something in the comments or in Telegram if you have any suggestions for the name of the pod. Today is August 16th, 2022. This will come out on August 18th, 2022. And our guest today is one of the most fundamentally sound researchers I've had on the podcast. He goes incredibly deep into white papers and government documents and breaks everything down in a way that anyone can understand. And I've always admired the balance of quality and volume of content that he publishes. And I'm really glad he can join us today to talk more about his thoughts on the space. Citizen of the future, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks Greg. It's an honor to be here and I appreciate the intro. I am citizen. My alias is Citizen of the Future because I'm a citizen that focuses on the future and not the past. I don't fall for that narrative stuff. I'm an industrial electrician and my main niche is automation, controls, oil and gas. I've been in the trade for about 10 years. So as you can see, some of my mind maps and some of the content I've created gets pretty deep into uh, the technical details of network flow, etc, etc. And that's why, you know, I like bringing it down for other people to be able to participate.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So you beat me to the punch on a few things there. So before we dive a little bit more into you and kind of how you approach this space and what you think about it, what I like to do with guests is do a quick little lightning round first with non-crypto, non-DLT type questions. So if you would oblige, uh, I'm going to fire off just a few questions here to help everyone get to know you just a little bit better. And, you know, it'll be lighthearted and non-work related.
1: Hey, let's do it.
0: All right cool. so what's your go-to snack food? uh
1: snack food unhealthy would be sugar candy sour candy <laughs>
0: okay, me too what do you have a favorite out of those
1: uh, sour cherries, gummy bears uh sour worms
0: all right my man if if people could read your mind, what would they be hearing?
1: Oh God, you'd be hearing uh connections, nonstop uh invisible connections of real world global monetary. Systems stuff like that. They'd be like, "What the hell's going on in there?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Okay, you might have to rack your brain a little bit for this one. But what's the best prank you've ever pulled on someone or had pulled on you? Ooh, the
1: best prank! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working up in the in an oil and gas plant. My brother was on the same project as me and i got these cinnamon buns these awesome cinnamon buns fully loaded with with icing from the camp and i brought a bag of like six and i was just talking about them all day i had one for first break and then at lunchtime i go to do my second one there and me and my brother he's sitting across from me and he's laughing his ass off and i'm i'm like what are you laughing at man like i just heated my cinnamon bun up in the microwave and he's laughing his ass off and he's like dude i replaced all your icing on that cinnamon bun with mayonnaise. (laughs) And I didn't even notice, I don't know how, but I think it all stems down. I don't have a really good sense of smell. Like I have no sense of smell. So maybe that affects my taste buds or something, but uh, yeah, that's probably the the funniest.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, how in the world did you not realize (laughs) that? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So uh, what is something you did as a teenager that makes you cringe now?
1: There's a lot of stupid shit. We used to, oh yeah, back in in high school in like grade twelve year there, I got fart spray. It's called liquid ass, and it's like an invisible spray, but it reeks like an outhouse. And like we would go around and like we'd walk by someone in the hallway and you'd spray it on someone. <laughs> oh, and then we were at a party one time, and there's this girl that didn't have a very good reputation, and so we like went up behind her, and of course you know everyone's drinking and having a good time and that, so. And a uh, buddy sprayed her <laughs> and like everyone started walking away from her and here she is standing there <laughs> by herself. She's like wondering why is no one standing around me right now? Yeah. So that's probably the thing that makes me cringe now.
0: <laughs> what social media apps do you use in your free time?
1: Well, Facebook just for family and then uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Twitter is my passion for sharing research and that.
0: What's your favorite way to eat a potato? Uh,
1: baked potato. Get some butter on there. Get some cheese, some bacon.
0: Are fanny packs making a comeback? And would you wear one if the situation called for it?
1: Oh yeah! Used to, I, I bought a I bought a fanny pack that looks like a hairy stomach. <laughs> More, yeah, I wore that to a rave one time. It was hilarious. It just looked like I had a huge gut.
0: <laughs> In forty years from now, what will people be nostalgic for?
1: Oh, oh, I miss using paper. It documents and trade, <laughs>
0: 100%. Yeah, we'll get into that in just a minute. So thanks for doing that. that that's fun. Um, some good stories there. And you started to talk a little bit about your background. I am interested through what you've worked on in your professional life uh, and your personal life, how that came together and where you got introduced to crypto along the way and, and kind of your crypto origin story.
1: So I've been doing electrical for 10 years now. I started to work fresh out of high school. And I started doing resi commercial and then got my foot in the door in industrial oil and gas. And that's been liquid natural gas plants, steam-assisted gravitational drainage, SAG-D plants. So that involves wiring devices, hooking up generators, cranes. And it was in 2018, I was working out in a place called Conklin, Alberta, and I met one of my now best friends and he introduced me to XRP. He was telling me, cause like I was, I was complaining about how the bank make no money in the bank like it's been in there for five years and i've made barely anything on my savings and we started talking about xrp we started talking about nostril and bostro accounts and how illiquid the global monetary system was and it started intriguing me so it was like i i kept digging and digging and so xrp was the first utility token that i ever got into in 2018 i stayed away from bitcoin stayed away from ethereum due to the proof of work and i just didn't see it being liable. So I I missed out on a lot of gains if I would have bought Bitcoin when I was around in the low times when I hit three grand and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, no, I'll just stick with XRP. (laughs) Uh, That was back in the early days before I actually spread it out into other utility tokens. So in 2018, I started, started learning, learning, learning about blockchain and DLT. And as an industrial electrician, it allows you to read schematics, learn natural gas flow. Like I was able to learn the process flow of a huge natural gas plant. And then I started learning about, well, value flow, you know, how does value flow from A to B? And so that's how I sort of transitioned from my electrical knowledge to DLT was using what I've learned. And yeah, started putting the pieces
0: together. So you talk about this flow of value and that's so important, you know, figuratively and practically when we look at this space And I know you use a lot of these mind maps, which you mentioned before. And it's this idea, if you're not familiar with mind maps, they're basically visual representations of connections between different entities or maybe flows of value. It's just kind of like you see a different, a lot of different entities on a, you know, screen in front of you and then different connections between them and just the way that everything interconnects if you're a visual learner. So talk me through, you know, the origin of you and mind maps and how that became such an important part of your content.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is a really awesome part of my story. So I was raised by my grandparents, my father, he's a crackhead. My mom passed away. 5 years ago but it all started doing my visual mapping my deep mind mapping was because for the last 4 years my grandfather he would tell me what's going on in the mainstream media that was his thing his retirement passion was to watch the news and my passion was to find out what's being covered up what is the mainstream media not telling us so i would use his insight he would tell me what's going on and I'd be digging myself on the internet and finding these real connections that aren't being spoke about, so here I'd be finding things I'm like, blah, oh, did they ever mention this blah 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 So I initially created my started mind mapping, creating it the visuals on the computer. So I could run it through my grandpa and my grandma. I just explain it to them in basic form, and that's how I got to explaining things in such a basic English breakdown. Was because I was explaining how these DLT ecosystems interoperated, what connections they had, and how different things worked. They got it. He was ex- he was explaining things back to me, and I was like, well, "This is hilarious." So I think I am <laughs> one of the very few that has that had crypto grandparents that would actually listen and be aware of the digital value transfer going on in the world.
0: That's so interesting because, you know, I'm a marketer myself and one of the key things that I always try to do is ask myself, would a grandma understand this? It's the grandma test, right? And and that comes also from, you know, some of my days as an entrepreneur and kind of thinking about how to describe the product in a way that anyone can understand. And it's really important that you don't use too many technical terms. Obviously, in this industry, it, you can't avoid it. You have to use them sometimes, even just something like a DLT. Like, you know, you got to break down the acronyms and the words. But I know that when I explain things to my mother, who's a little bit older, she definitely gets things better if I were to provide a visual and kind of point and talk along with it. So I totally resonate with that. And you have a lot of tweets that you put out with these different visuals. You're, you're quote tweeting a lot of other people and sharing content. You have your own ideas that you add on top of them. What is your content strategy around Twitter? And then also you have your YouTube channel, which you put up some excellent deep dives. How do you mesh those two and put out a coherent message through your content?
1: So my account, my research sharing account started uh, October of last year. And when I was thinking, I was like, you know what, this information that I'm digging up, that I'm mapping out, I was mapping for about six months before I created my Twitter account. And then I was like, you know what, I have so much data here, visual data that's being covered up by, you know, companies, they release a press release, and then no mainstream media covers it, it just gets swept under the rug. I had a buildup of information and I was like, you know what? I want to create something that is focused on utility, real world utility that exposes the connections that other citizens could see. So I wanted an account that didn't have a profile picture. So I just literally Googled citizen of the future on Google, found this cool looking photo and was like, Hey, I want people to judge me for my words, for my information, for my research and not for what I look like. My age, my skin color for whatever, so that's where I developed this alias, and so I just started creating write-ups, tweets on things that I saw, connections that I found, and then just putting it into my theory, and then I kept building like first couple months, my threads were terrible i I laugh at, I cringe when I look at some of those now, but it just shows how I've developed over time. So I just use my Twitter account for sharing tweets, retweeting information that I think is valuable, important. And my YouTube, I've done a lot of deep dive research overviews. A lot of them are longer. They're not these five or 10 minute videos. They're usually between 30 to 50 minutes. And that's because when I cover a topic and I get going, like I, there's there's always something I need to add. There's always something that I need to dive into or throw it on the table. Because if I feel like if I don't get it in there and I have it broke up between a bunch of different videos, well, you're not going to get the full experience. So they're basically like research movies. And my content strategy has been traditional connections. Like I go through banking, trade finance, standard setting body documents, and I create content on that stuff. Like no meme coin shit, no hype, just strictly connections. And I cover that stuff because, you know, when we look at this space, when we look at the distributed ledger technology and crypto community, well, what is it mostly? People that are hyped up, that have some sort of bias. The ones that think XRP is going to have a buyback of $30,000, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so mine is strictly reg tech. Like I'm focused on, trade finance, right, regulated technology, DLT, automation, covering topics like and creating these visuals to hopefully inspire other citizens to look past their daily lives and learn something that's empowering the fourth industrial revolution. Because what I hate and what makes me cringe is, you know, mainstream media, they cover Ukraine, they cover COVID-19, they cover nothing but stuff that keeps a citizen in the past. Like they keep people distracted, divided, anxiety driven to where they don't really see a need for stepping outside their comfort zone, learning new things because they don't know where to start because well, entertainment is the highest paid industry because it keeps everyone distracted. So that's what really drives my insides is to dig this up And spit it out to people to actually absorb, somehow absorb it or hopefully inspire them to research it. So that's why in in my YouTube videos, I have citizens of the future, researchers following the DLT blockchain revolution, Don Tapscott. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. The first book I read was from him in 2018 and it was on the blockchain revolution. And that's when I was like, holy crap, this is actually happening. He inspired me and yeah, so I wanted to do the same thing.
0: That's Awesome. I totally resonate with a lot of the things you just said. I guess, first of all, the idea of posting longer videos is something that you know was kind of the inspiration for this Patreon, in a way, is being able to create long-form content. I do a weekly video every Monday, and then on Thursdays, I alternate between podcasts and extended live Q&As that we do in the Telegram group. So it's this way that I can actually... Get on the mic, or I can, you know, put up stuff on my screen and go deeper and share things on a scale that I just can't do on Twitter. Even though you know Twitter's been great and Threads have been an excellent way to grow the account. And by the way, congrats on how much success you've had with the account. So you're almost coming up on a year here. I think you're at around seventeen and a half thousand followers. And I've been watching you. You know, I don't know how long I've been following you. Six months or so since I got on Twitter. And I think you were at like nine or ten, so like you've definitely just been on a great come up. So great job with that, and I'm excited to see more of the YouTube videos come out. They really are great, guys. You got to check them out. All the links will be in the description. But you know, you talk about these media distractions, and it's kind of this two sided thing. I I feel like where. On one side, it's like, oh man, like they're only covering the BS. And then on the other side, it's like, well, this creates a really good opportunity for me selfishly to kind of be able to shine the light on things. So it's like, in a weird way, if they were covering everything we all needed to know, what content would we create? <laughs> I mean, I guess we could we could go deeper always. There's always a way to kind of help more, but there is a massive white space right now, especially not just in crypto, but as you say in these reg tech and utility tokens, you know, most people don't understand crypto at all. Not even Bitcoin, Ethereum, meme coins, nothing. And then you have out of the crypto community, that 1% of people that care, you have 99% of them that don't understand the utility token game. And so, you know, there's an incredible opportunity for people like me and you, or anyone else that has an understanding for this and some sort of, you know, marketing chops or wants to learn how to create content to really establish yourself because we are early. And we say that as kind of a turn of phrase, but we truly are early. And it takes a lot of patience. It's going to take a lot of patience to see the fruits of our labor, but I believe we're in the right space. So, my question to you, man, is what are some of the most important projects? that you think everyone who's serious about utility tokens should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, some good comments because we are very early. I thought we were early in 2018 and I didn't realize it would drag on. To, I thought, we, oh, we're going to be a millionaire by 2021. And well, here we are 2022 and it's like still like, still waiting, still waiting. <laughs> yeah, so what I've learned over these years, you know, it, it's definitely like the retail media hype. I think this is just like a one or two year thing. People often get that mixed up, but it's actually like a 10 year plus thing. Like this is a uh, a very slow, long drawn out process because legislation, regulations, getting the standards and, and just the, the laws written to embrace the technology. It's a slow drawn out process. Like look, it's 2022 and the United States still can't even tell the difference between a security and a digital asset so that's that's funny but the best tokens I think from my research and my experience that, that I stick to now is Quant, XTC, XRP, Constellation DAG and there's a couple others but those are my favorite four or five like XLM is, is, is good for cross-border payments too um, but I, I I haven't dug too much in there and
0: those are my favorite. Cool, so you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast are pretty up on Quant, and I know that you do follow them pretty closely. So what I would like to ask you a little bit more about specifically is XDC, because for a lot of people, myself included, you were one of the first people that brought XDC to my attention in a serious way, and by watching your deep dive, I think it's your first video on YouTube, there's an XDC breakdown, and it's a tremendous job, And it brought a lot of things to my attention such as MLETR, And I noticed a lot of myself in the way that I do my research in the way that you present your research and kind of, you know, no bullshit, opening up the papers and really looking at what they're saying. Like you have mentioned multiple times already, the connections is a huge thing is just being able to link, you know, CEOs with past experience with what they're working on now, with how they've been tied in and quotes from interviews and all these amazing things that bring it all together. So... Quant has recently, as you know, released a connector to XDC. And it's also one of the first ones that have been connected to this new NFT update that Quant has put out on Overledger. So they now have, you know, interoperable NFTs through their QRC 721 standard that connect to Ethereum, Polygon, and XDC. So it seems like, you know, XDC has really, at least for me, has kind of come out of nowhere to be this massive player in the utility space as it relates to trade finance and you also mentioned earlier like the nostalgia for paper and I think that has something to do with it. So give me a little bit of an idea and let the people know kind of what is XDC, why is it important and how do you see it integrating with quant going forward? Okay
1: so I think before I get right into XDC I think we should just take a step back and take a look at the globe and the supply chain and the trade finance industry. Billions, billions of documents move across jurisdictions globally. Say we have a shipment coming from China to Canada or the States. There can be up to 36 copies of documents and it could change up to 150 intermediaries hands throughout the supply chain. They say moving paper is more expensive than actually moving the shipping containers. So the global trade finance and the supply chain is all based on paper, which is manual labor. So in 2022, only 1.2% of all documents in global trade is electronic. So what XDC is, it's a trade finance ecosystem that is carbon neutral, that has smart contract capabilities, that can settle a transaction in two seconds and cost a fraction of a cent. The ITFA, International Trade Forfeiting Association, they utilize XDC in their trade finance distribution and their digital negotiable instruments initiative. Those are both two initiatives pushed out by the ITFA, and it's whoever's citizen, or if you're listening to this, Google who the ITFA is. Google those two initiatives, TFD and the DNI. Because this is a perfect example of regulated entities utilizing a DLT ecosystem. And another thing that I should touch on is the trade finance gap. This is a massive problem that nobody is aware of. And all the SMEs, the small medium enterprises, they own about 90% of the world's wealth or something. like. They're the builders of the global economy. Well, there's a lack of funding that is needed for all these businesses to thrive. It went from $1.7 trillion. And ever since COVID happened, $5 trillion is now needed to get back to rebound to pre-COVID levels. $5 trillion. So why am I bringing up the trade finance gap? It's because it's a lack of liquidity. What's happening now, and why there's this digitalization transformation that I always talk about in trade is because when you have a decentralized liquidity pool where you can stake your tokens and that gets loaned to a small medium enterprise for a small percent interest, What it's doing is it's allowing trade finance to become an investable asset class by any citizen, because right now it's only by credit investors, people in the banks, those are the only ones that can give loans to people that need it in trade. So say we have a farmer, and they've got all this grain that they want to sell. If they have an online marketplace where you could sell NFTs that represent real-world trade assets, split up the ownership, split up the rewards, it just stems from there.
0: Yeah, and I think this is part of the reason that Gilbert chose to include XDC in some of this early NFT technology that they're releasing because Quant in particular, they do not do things that aren't extremely calculated like they didn't just pick XDC out of a hat. They didn't just pick Polygon and Ethereum out of a hat. Like these are where the most enterprise activity is happening. And with XDC in particular, it's interesting because you have this tokenization of real world assets that are then being put onto the blockchain in a way that can be traded, in a way that can be tracked, in a way that can be monetized. And those ecosystems need to interact with outside ecosystems. So what could be cool is like you can even take those documents and remove them from the XDC network to do their own thing. So like you said like just because they're being traded and small loans are going down or large loans whatever's happening in XDC's network maybe you know I have a tokenized asset And I want to move that to do something separate with in my own network or smart contract that I've built in a completely different place. And I can actually do that using quants technology and remove that NFT from XTC and put it somewhere else to leverage in whatever fashion I see fit. And again, guys, we need to make sure that when we say NFT, we are removing this idea that has been ingrained in us through the media that it is something to do with a jpeg it really has to do with individualized data it has to do with this idea that it's not replaceable with another token of the same ilk it is its own unique and verified form of data or information that can have its ownership validated over the blockchain so in xdc's case we are talking about trade documents but it could be anything it's just another massive ecosystem that Quant is going to help value and data flow between. So I'm really excited about it because it does seem like similar to Quant where there's all of these connections between these massive players that seem to already be onboarded in, in the darkness or in the shadows, kind of like everything is already happening and well in motion. Whether that gives the token you know, a price run up in the next year or two, who knows? But it's more that the adoption is taking place and network effects are kind of stirring and simmering. And so as all of these networks are kind of building their ecosystems and building their value, you mentioned the fourth industrial revolution. What does that entail? What are some things in everyday life that you think could be changed when you talk about the fourth industrial revolution?
1: So the fourth industrial revolution is how value moves like an email does today, right? One day what I see is no more data silos. It's not just finance. We're talking about supply chain. We're talking about trade. We're talking about businesses. We can look at Internet of Things, AI, machine learning. You get this Flawless convergence of technology that just benefits and grows. So, now the biggest thing that I can't wait for that I've been waiting for is the reset to the global supply chain because that is what is taking place. Once this legislation and regulation get put through, we're going to be able to move these documents flawlessly between global trade jurisdictions. And that is going to remove the backlogs. That is going to take shipping costs down by at least 30 percent because of using paper it adds an extra 25 percent to our shipping costs so boom scratch that off the table all documentation will be handed in digital form it will allow digital twin process flow so you can see both of them and they're connected because paper, it's it's all disconnected, it's siloed, it's expensive, it's broken. We will start seeing the trade finance gap close. Businesses are starting to thrive because they actually have the money to fund what they need. We will see, you know, the seamless trade between the different technology platforms and stakeholders. We will have trust between entities. That is the biggest thing, right? Because in global trade supply chain across jurisdictions... There's not a lot of trust, but when we use these decentralized technologies, it removes that trust factor. It gives trust. But in order to get there, we need reform of legislation across the globe. That entails G7 countries enacting what is called UNCTRL M-L-E-T-R, United Nations Commission on International Trade Law. And then M-L-E-T-R stands for Model Law on electronic transfer records. This is some severe ELF information because Singapore enacted that a couple of years ago. They have the ability to utilize electronic trade documents in their jurisdiction. The UK just put through May 10th in the Queen's Speech, page 44 and 45, it's all about trade digitalization and allowing trade documents to be digitalized. And that is that UNSATREL, M-L-E-T-R, is a framework for governments, it's the legal wording to accept and validate digital documents and trade. So in the middle of about 2023, that MLETR framework is going to be adopted into the UK's legislation. So that is going to allow digital trade documents to be moved from the UK to Singapore flawlessly. Entities are able to send digital equivalents to and from without having to use paper. So that's going to cut the costs drastically. We need regulation, we need common standards across jurisdictions. The UK is the first G7 to enact, the MLETR, which is a huge turning point for digital trade. And in that document, in that Queen's speech, it says at any point in time, there's 28.5 billion paper trade documents in the globe system. It works out to be like 39,000 statues of liberty tall of paper and 1% of that is in electronic form. One day, it's going to be 100%. One day, it's going to be 100%. And that's when the fourth industrial revolution has gone mainstream. We've got digital trustless data flows between trade jurisdictions. And that's the exciting thing that I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah. So it seems like the one thing that's really holding that back from happening, I think the technology is probably not there yet, but I think it's way further ahead than the regulation is. And the you know government's trying to work out how this is going to impact them jurisdictionally as well as socially that's why when we say this is a long term play it really is going to take another 5 7 10 years for this to kind of play out and get to a point where it's actually impacting everyone's lives on a daily basis and most things that i study when i first find out about them i think oh my god this is huge and then the more and more you dig into it you kind of realize okay Now I've settled in on a more realistic, you know, what this actually is and where it's places in the world. And when I study these types of tokens and this type of technology, my mind continues to expand in a way that the more I learn about it and the more I hear people like you talk about it, I get way more, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but just I'm trying to wrap my head around how much this is going to change the way that humans interact and Hungarian Horntail talks about this a lot and he, he goes a lot into kind of like how the, we're underestimating everything and this is like the biggest shift in social evolution of all time and I agree with that and you know you compare it to the internet like if you just look at what the internet did it's likely going to be more impactful than that and that in itself is a scary concept if true because If you're over the age of 20, 25 years old, you have seen the internet transform society in a way that we never could have predicted. And it's added value and it's also added some dark side to it. So with not just the transfer of information, which is the internet as it is, but the transfer of value over these systems and the seamlessness that you point out, Now, all of a sudden, what does society look like? Because we're not just posting to social media and we're not just like creating a few new jobs and changing the way people think it now is actually going into practice. And like, there's a true globalization that happens.
1: And think about all these people in these third world countries that are, that are stuck in their local economy with this digitalization of value. You can now enable somebody in some third world town to sell something on a global scale. They can access global markets and they can find ways, services to, you know, get paid in crypto instead of getting paid in their local dollar, which is completely screwed by hyperinflation.
0: It's fascinating to think about, you know, I know you mentioned you're going to be creating more YouTube content. I know you're never going to stop tweeting. So let the people know where they can find you on social media. What's the best places to reach out or to follow your content and support your work?
1: My Twitter account, Utility Theory, Citizen of the Future. Try to make boring regulated documents look cool. (laughs) And then my YouTube channel, just Citizen of the Future. I got a lot of deep dives on there around XDC, MLETR, I think what I close it off with saying to anyone listening is there's a lot of these one network maxis, but it's not about one network. It's about a network of networks. A regulated internet of value is being built. Don't just take my word for stuff. Start Googling. Like I've learned a lot of my information, just deep diving keywords and researching trade finance documents, banking documents, spending the hours to go through it. What I like to say is there's too much information and there's just not enough time, but to always keep learning, keep living, keep loving, and uh, just do what you got to do. So thanks for listening. I hope this brought some value in some way. You can leave some feedback if you guys like it and, that, and we'll go from there.
0: Thanks, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and jumping on here. Go ahead and check out Citizens Work. Again, everything will be linked in the description below. Man, I just really appreciate you coming on and hopefully we can do this again soon
1: yeah thanks greg it's been an honor and it's great to see how much you've grown since we first connected what six or seven months ago i remember i was like oh dude this guy's killing the quant research i'm like holy smokes i'm like yeah retweet retweet and it's really awesome to see how far you come man so keep up the good work and yeah we'll talk again soon
0: episode six that was a fun one citizen of the future dropping some serious alpha when it comes to the trade finance game Make sure you check out his Twitter at Utility Theory and his YouTube at Citizen of the Future. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I'm looking forward to your feedback as well as some podcast name ideas. Have a great weekend and I'll see you on Monday for the weekly video. Peace.